So we keep hearing about freelancing and remote work and work from home and the ever famous Zoom backgrounds. So I decided to speak to someone who has been there done that. In this episode, we speak to Darshan. Darshan has an experience of working as a freelance remote designer for almost five plus years with clients from all over the world. And prior to his freelancing stint, he has worked with Book My Show and Wishberry and is based out of Berlin. Darshan also runs the popular Product Disrupt blog, which curates great learning resources for designers. I am very curious to learn about the positives and negatives of freelancing and remote work from Darshan. This is the Hayavati Podcast, and I'm your host, Madhuri, speaking and asking many realistic questions to designers and product managers to understand and learn and grow. Let's get started here. want to thank you so much for coming on the show and i i just want to understand your definition of freelance uh, and being a product designer would you like to share some thoughts around that yeah sure thing so i don't really have a very strict definition about being a freelancer or a consultant because it's something that it's always a work in progress so when i started freelancing i had the first taste of freelancing when i was studying engineering in my second year of college i got i i started making websites and back then i didn't realize that there was this field called as design and development i thought it was just making websites and the reason why i did that was i was not very motivated by the things that they were teaching me in college and i wanted to get the real taste of the things that people actually use in the industry so i just started dabbling around that and uh, i got a few website assignments it also gave me a bit of a side income and then i realized that you know shit you can actually make money from this which is how i started freelancing now that was a very rookie freelancing and after that fresh out of college i didn't wanted to continue this as a career like being a freelancer and i would never recommend someone to start with freelancing we could get to that later so fresh out of college i got a job and that was my first job at book my show and that was my first design job so i was a professional designer for the first time and then i learned what design was but i still kept on freelancing uh, because i always think of freelancing as a gift that keeps on giving there are a lot of aspects to freelancing than just design because you are working directly with the client you're supposed to understand their business it helps you improve communication you are actually taking ownership of your work and those things i kept on learning on those things and as as i as i progressed in my career the definition of freelancer kept on changing for me and after 2 years of full time work i realized that i wanted to become a full time consultant which is you can also call it like a full time freelancer or an independent freelancer and uh, that's when the actual freelancing started for me because my livelihood depended on it right my paycheck was coming from freelancing so this is when i actually took things very seriously and i also positioned myself from being a freelancer to a consultant and the reason why i did that was people have very different perception of freelancers they don't really understand what freelancers do and they think they are people who are, who always have free time you could just hire them for cheap work it's like disposable asset you just get them on board whenever you need some work done and whenever the work is done you just get rid of them and i didn't wanted to be perceived as uh, that person which is why i transitioned to a consultant the way that i would dis- define a consultant 
would be someone who is expert in a particular field and is usually hired by a company who might be lacking that expertise. And it could be for different projects. You could be hired on a project basis. You could be put on a retainer. You might also be working as a sort of an in-house employee who is not really an employee. So you don't come with your obligations of being an employee. So that became my definition of a consultant. Now, I'm not sure if I've done justice to answering your question about defining it, but I would say it's different for everyone. And it's essentially, if I have to just put it in a sentence, I would say essentially a person who is expert in what they do and they take pride in it and they essentially control their time. From that, I take away that you value your uh, time so much that you are willing to be completely free from just being a part of single company. You want to work with multiple projects and you just want to be a part of everything possible. Is that something that I can consider? Yeah, I would say I've always enjoyed being being a part of the end-to-end journey. And uh, for me, coming from an engineering background, I like to solve problems. And it gives me it gives me immense pleasure to see that the thing that I've worked on, when it gets developed and it's out in the market and people are actually using it, and then you hear stories of how they're using it or how it has changed their life. That is something I would even go far ahead and say that it's very orgasmic. And I really like that. So, so for me, it's very important to be a part of that end-to-end journey. And I think when I'm being a consultant, I actually got to do that because I, I could take a lot of ownership of my work. And, and I realized that when you're part of a big organization or a big design team, I mean, there are enough opportunities where you get to, get to still do that. But initially in my career, I wasn't getting to do that. So when I started off, I was just a UI designer. And my job was mostly to get the requirements from the product manager. Everything, all the decisions were already made. My job was to make things look prettier, which I didn't like. Obviously, I like making pretty things, but that doesn't mean that that's the only thing that I like. And yeah, so 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 that's about it. For me, it's very important to be a part of the end-to-end journey. And uh, freelancing gave me that. Awesome. Given that you mentioned that you know you like to control your time and you like to solve the problem end to end what was your first experience of working remotely with a design team and as a freelance consultant right like for example you had to work with say a startup and i know that you worked with a startup based out of uh, dubai so how did that experience go for you and what were your key points from that yeah sure so I'm not sure if that company is, is called a startup because they have actually been in the business for seven years. They don't have any venture backing. They are self-funded. The money that they get is from directly from their customers. And they have been, been in a very good position in that industry because they kind of own the point of sales industry in, in the Middle East. And I would, I would say my experience working with them has been one of the best that I've ever had. And uh, I specifically worked on two projects with them. And those two projects have been the best projects of my life. And the thing that I really like was, now the company was quite small. It was just about 20 odd people when I joined them as a consultant. And it has ultimately grown now. And they have put up a new office in Kochi. And I think they are more than 60 people now, which is great. Uh, it, gives, it gives me joy to see the, the kind of progress that they have made. So when I was, uh, when I was working with them, they were... 
they, they didn't really have a design team or even an in-house designer. There was this one person who was like a unicorn, so he used to do both design and development. And he was mostly involved in development. Their CTO, who is also their co-founder, was my point of contact. And he was the person that I did the most amount of collaboration with. Even though he was a CTO, he really had a very good design understanding. And I, in, in a way, I also consider him as my mentor. He, he could share so many uh, insights on design with me. He helped me improve my process. And he was just overall a good design thinker. And, and, and it also taught me that you, you don't always have to go uh, to great designers for good de- uh, great design advice. It can, it can come from all kinds of stakeholders. And I think that that alone, that getting to work in such close collaboration with him, and he, this guy, he has great experience. He has worked in gaming industry, and I believe that the gaming industry is one industry where uh, UX is of prime importance, and you could learn a lot about user experience from game design. So he taught me a lot of those things as well. And uh, overall, the kind of just the kind of projects that I was getting to work on were quite challenging and when it's challenging, it's also rewarding. They also invested quite a lot in user research. They actually invited me uh, to a user research trip to Dubai for about 15 days where I was interviewing about, I interviewed about nine to 10 restaurants for this project that I was working on. I got to see the, those uh, products being used in the real environment. It was quite refreshing and I'd not seen many companies take, uh, make that, that kind of investment into design. So overall, the experience was pretty awesome. That's really nice. I assume this was a long-term thing, right? The, the yeah. Dubai-based thing. Like how long is usually these kind of projects? Yeah, so I actually, I, I worked for about two years with them. Uh, okay. For this two years, I was consulting with them. It was like a full-time job. But again, didn't come with the obligations of in-house employee. I initially started with them for for working on this one particular project, which which spanned out for about four or five months, mm-hmm. and then seeing seeing how the project progressed, they they always had uh, enough requirements. They was always working on new things, and they and 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 the way that things worked on this project, the both the parties were quite happy with it, which is why they decided to put me on a retainer. And then I started working on another project and then we had uh, iterative work. So after shipping this projects, we were also looking at how people are actually using it. And we started making improvements on that. I became a part of this. So I was, and, and I was also visiting them. I'd visited them, I think thrice in Kochi when they set up a new office. I've been to Dubai twice uh, to visit their office over there. And uh, whenever I was in their office, I didn't feel like an outsider. They welcomed me as one of their own. They also included me the team events and office events, which is also which is also quite nice. They had a nice Christmas party in uh, Kochi when I was there. And being a freelancer, I don't really get to experience these things. So it was it was quite refreshing to see that a post, uh, that a company who has hired you as a consultant would also bring uh, get you involved in those things. So I'd say two years of work and uh, two and a half projects. Nice. Yeah. So the timeline is quite long. That means that being a freelancer, you've had other projects that would have come in while this major project was happening, right? I'm assuming. So uh, when that is a situation, 
how did you manage between these multiple projects and what would your typical you know way of approach for these kind of things be yeah so when i was working with them i i, I didn't take on a lot of other projects and at any given point of time in my career i would never work on more than two projects because i believe that i'm i'm usually i'm usually on a larger contract with this companies and i believe that i'm not doing enough justice with them if i take too many projects in that case my attention gets divided into so many things and i'm not uh, able to focus on that one project so at any given point of time in my career i would never have more than two two or three projects and uh, over the years i also created a network of other freelancers but this could also be in uh, this could also be full time employees who had some extra time and wanted to work on smaller freelance projects it could this could be full time freelancers uh, who are just working like me so whenever i used to have more projects uh, i would i would kind of you know try to refer the, refer it to the, them sometimes i would uh, be involved in the initial onboarding help them set up and then uh, once things are ready to go they would you know just take charge of that and uh, so yeah managing projects it, it it was difficult in the beginning because it's also very difficult to get an overall understanding of the pipeline that you have because usually i mean to be honest the the projects would always pan out for more time than you, what you had expected in the beginning and then that creates a lot of problem so and 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 sometimes there are there have been some clients who had actually waited for me because they wanted to work on work with me on a particular project and i said that i'm going to be busy say for the you know, next two months and we could start work from the third month and and then if the project that i'm currently working on spans out for more than 2 months i have to then push that out right so in that case what i would do is i would actually start onboarding that and i would have like some like even when i'm working on this first project i would start working on the second project and then that's how i get involved into two projects and then then my goal would be to finish the first project as soon as as, as i can because i want to give my full attention to the next one so it's very challenging managing things but i i would say that always having a network of uh, people who could you know step on board and help you with some of these challenges is always useful which is i would say that if you are a freelancer you should always look to build an audience or be involved in the community you can always you can always find help awesome so you spend time in building the community so that you could not just you know share knowledge your blog product disrupt is quite a super hit among uh, us designers because it's a very well crafted newsletter we understand a lot of new things every single time is that your way of not just building community but also understanding how to you know maneuver different aspects learn different from different people is that something that you would go through so the last point that you mentioned which is try to learn from other people now that's essentially why i started product disrupt because i i would just i would just give, give you a quick overview on how this all started so being an engineer i used to uh, being an engineer who transformed into design or rather transitioned into design i used to always get asked this question that what is it that you do in your design job how did you become a designer and this questions are repetitive which is why i thought that i would put together a website where i would you know just uh, list out all those resources that i referred to uh, so i searched so to follow a lot of designers who used to write newsletters share their case studies 
and I could learn a lot from their process, understanding how, uh, uh, just going through their projects, it taught me a lot. And I kind of incorporated that into my process as well. So I already had that list and I just made it public. And when I launched it on Product Hunt, fortunately it became the number one product of the day. And uh, the Product Hunt community is, is, is very engaging and they give you a lot of feedback. So there were a lot of comments which said that if you could start a newsletter where uh, things would be curated by you, we'd be very happy to subscribe to that. And I just picked it, picked it from there. I just started a newsletter and as uh, I just kept on learning these new things as I started building it. And I believe that if you want to learn something new, you have to actually start working on it. You can't just, you know, can't just be a passive uh, learner. If you get actively involved, that's the way that you you can learn something new so it kind of became a way for me to learn new things learn from other people and and, and also when, when you get when you're very involved in your uh, primary work function which is designing for clients you kind of it, it it becomes very difficult for you to not be soaked into that and you kind of you kind of uh, cut away from the outside world or the community but i didn't want to do i always wanted to keep that going so it became a place it, it became a place for me where i shared my inspiration and it was also a motivation for me to always always keep looking out for the good resources that are out there and always stay connected with the community so i just took things from there put it out again and yeah essentially that is what i tried to do with that just keep on learning you are also working remotely when you've been in you know bombay and you've been doing these aspects so what was your typical day like and how did you manage these aspects? Oh, so I didn't really have a typical day. It was quite different from time to time. But I would say my uh, the way that I worked actually depended upon the project. And uh, my routine was dictated by the project that I was working on. So I would, I, I would just dive into this one particular project and I would tell you how my routine was for that. So when I was working with Sapad, this is again the client based in Dubai. I, I used to start work at about 12 p.m. So, and, and, and you can say from this that I'm not really a early morning person. I, I start my day quite late at 12 p.m. And, and the reason why I started it at 12 p.m. was because I was working in sprints with them. And we had decided that we would have some, we would have some, some common time, which, which means that the team and I should be working in that particular time frame. So we could sync up on things whenever they needed feedback. They could always send me a message on Slack and I would be available. We could schedule calls as well. So we had this about four or five hours of sync up. And, and then apart from that, it was just, it, it was up to me how I controlled my time because I took ownership of my work and my job was to get the job done. So it was okay for me to not, not have, not, uh, not have a fixed, uh, fixed schedule. I synced up with them till about 4 p.m. And, and, this, and this was a time where I used to do most of the communication work or providing feedback or, you know, trying to do those things which would actually involve those other people as well. And after that, I would just start, I would start working on the, the things that I was supposed to do, which is the design work. And this, this actually went on till about 11 p.m. or 12 p.m. And, and I always took breaks in between. And when I say breaks in between, now I'm working remotely just by myself. I'm just one person in the room. 
So when I say breaks, I can't really go to a water cooler and have a conversation with someone. I would actually, I, I would just switch, I would just watch a few YouTube videos, maybe work on product disrupt, or just do these other things which are not directly related to the project that I'm working on. So this kind of gave me a break from, uh, this was my definition of taking a break. And uh, yeah, and I went out for dinner in the night. So that was again a break for me. So I would say start, start work at about 12 p.m., do focus work till about 4 p.m., and then work in chunks till about 11 p.m. Yeah, so that was my day, a typical day. Yeah, thank you for being as clear as possible. I mean, I've seen those lovely color-coded, you know, Google Calendar, email, you know, the event-based thing. I was wondering if your schedule was something like that because you seem so organized. So I wanted to know, you know. Yeah, so I mean, I'm I'm actually organized for other people. So I, I I know that when when I'm collaborating with other people, it's important for me to communicate to them and uh, keep them informed about what I'm doing. And and uh, and a lot a lot can be lost when you're working remotely. You don't you don't really have people working in the same room, so you don't don't really know that if you're still here. Mm-hmm. So I just I always made sure that I communicated those things, and this is one tip that I would share that it's okay to over communicate while working remotely, but it's never okay to under communicate. So mm-hmm. I would always just put it out there that you know, mm-hmm. hey, I would be available between this time if you need me, if you need me uh, for something, we could get on a call. They could always send me a Slack message. So communication is always important, and and I would try to stay organized for other people, so that and and I would always try to make myself approachable and be be very transparent about my schedule but apart from that the way that i would work for myself would not, would not be that organized because it's just not how it works for me i would just like to add one more thing over here that i think it's very important to have an outline which would be like you know just a few like an outline could be start work at uh, 12 and uh, do focus work for three hours uh, take take breaks every 20 minutes and things like this, which is going to help you keep sane, that's important to have. But I would always say that it's it's not very it's it's not it's not very productive if you're you know very stuck to that stuck to that schedule. And if you follow the same routine, then it just become becomes boring, and then you feel it's very mechanical. So to have to have an outline is always great, and it's kind of a hybrid version of organizing yourself. Nice, that's a pro tip. We should keep in mind because given we are all forced to work from home we need to implement something like this yeah that makes sense now coming to you know you've managed all of this would you mind sharing a negative experience and what did you take away from it if now it seems i mean when i talk you you might think that i had had it all under control but it was not like that initially i had to face a lot of challenges with this i have this habit of you know when i get when i get immersed into something I kind of lose the sense of time and I'm just working on this thing continuously. Like say if I'm working on a case study for Behance, I would spend the entire day not even knowing that I'm hungry or not even knowing that, you know, it's, it's, it's already gotten dark outside and I, and, and I didn't used to cook that time. So I used to, I, I had to order food on time, but if I, if I get immersed in this and I would, you know, just forget about that, I had to order food and late in, uh, say after uh, 12 p.m. midnight, I would actually not be able to order something. 
So I've spent some nights where I just forgot to order food. So there are things like this that which had always bothered me. And I, I, was, I realized that I was kind of uh, getting into this toxic habits of not having a touch with the outside world. And this was kind of driving me insane. And uh, it's, and, and, and you know, when you're working by yourself and uh, you're not really having any human connection, you don't really get to talk uh, to that many people. It, it becomes very difficult at a, uh, after a certain point of time. So what I tried to do was, I, I, used, to, I used to always try to get, get some fresh air in the evening. So I was, sometimes I would go for a walk, but that didn't happen. To be honest, that didn't happen very often. Sometimes I would go out for dinner instead of ordering in, I would just dine out. And uh, weekends were always reserved for friends. So I used to make sure that I would not do, I, I would not spend much time sitting in front of a screen. I would actually go out, meet people, maybe attend some events, chill with friends, sometimes go for hiking with friends. And travel is something that I always like doing. So keep on planning those things. So some negative experiences are that it's important to, it's important to have an understanding of your environment. It's important to have a human touch. So it just you just have to keep yourself constantly reminding of that, and because because it's easier to uh, forget those things when you when you, when you don't have other people uh, looking over you. So these are some negative experiences that don't do that to yourself. Got it. Yeah. So when you mean that stay aware of your surroundings you mean that we can go so deep that we don't really understand how to you know where do we do what do we do we might not communicate and that can kind of get out of hand with anybody who's being a stakeholder of the project as well right so that's yeah that's awesome. at what career stage would you recommend taking up freelance should we even take it up as soon as we become designers or you know as a pressure or anywhere else how does that happen? Yeah, that's a very interesting question. So I would actually never recommend anyone to start their career with freelancing because when you're starting out and if you have a negative experience, it's, you are actually, I mean, you're, you're going to end up hating it and then you might not want to get back to it. While, uh, whereas freelancing is such a beautiful gift that you can, it, it teaches you a lot of things. If you do it the right way, you might not actually want to go back to the uh, uh, full-time job again because you're getting so many things out of it. And obviously it depends upon what are your career motivations at that point of time. But I think it's very important to start it right. Also, it's never a good idea to just take the leap of faith and become a full-time freelancer uh, because uh, it's very easy. I mean, very often you would see that people who have become a, uh, freelancer, they see that uh, the projects have dried out after a certain point of time. They they don't have the 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 paychecks also dry out when the projects dry out, and they and then they don't know where their next paycheck is going to come from, and then they always have to answer these questions. It's, it becomes very difficult, and it's very messy. So I would say the ideal way for someone to get into freelancing would be get a full time job. Or maybe when you're when you're at university, start freelancing at that time when you're studying, because I, I, and and essentially what I'm trying to say here is that freelancing should not be your full time thing in the beginning. It should be like a side hustle, which is something that you would do 
because you're passionate about it or because you like working on new things. When you're in a college or at your full-time job, you're actually building a network around you. You're creating a name for yourself. There are a lot of this. And then when you're working on a project, these people, if they really like the, the work that you've done, they're going to refer you to other people. And that's how you're going to build network. You, you can start. You can start networking with other freelancers. See, see, uh, see how how they go about their work. Try to understand from their process. And you can always do all these things as a side hustle. And uh, when you realize that you know your side hustle has actually become uh, has has grown has grown, and that is when you can make the uh, decision to transition into uh, freelancing full time. And this would this would become a lot more easier for you then. You would have a constant stream of projects. Uh, you would have other people that you could talk to. You could always reach out to help. And with, with, with having done all this groundwork, it's a lot more easier to excel at freelancing. So I would say start with freelancing as a side hustle. And then if it works out for you, if you really like it, uh, just make it, your, make it a full-time thing. And also, th- this is also a way for you to test the waters, right? Because when your life doesn't depend on it, you can actually explore a lot of things and while you're exploring you would you would you would understand if this is something that you actually like and this would this would give you a lot more confidence into making that decision yeah that makes sense what's this one thing that you would tell a designer who's considering freelance in the future what is that one line statement that you would like to share yeah i actually have a one liner for that and I think people who know me, they, have, they might have actually guessed at what I'm going to say. And it's consistency outplays talent. It doesn't matter how talented you are. Talent can only give you a head start, but consistency is something that is going to uh, take you forward. And it's going, to, it's going to help you touch even bigger heights. And, and it's, at times it's going to be difficult for you to do the things that you're doing. But if you really believe in it, and if you keep on working on it on a consistent basis, if you're persistent enough, then there's nothing that can actually stop you. And, 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 and there's, no, there's no secret ingredient over here. It's, everybody knows the work that they have to do to be successful in their job, but people are just afraid to uh, do that. And if you just keep doing things consistently, if you just show up every day, and do the same thing you're ultimately going to get there and this is by the way this is true for true for all kinds of people it's not just for freelancing even mm-hmm. in your uh, in-house full-time job it's true that as well yeah. just be consistent i think consistency is the eighth wonder of the world and the day we realize that is completely a different ball game compared to you know how we actually conduct our daily lives right do you have any more things that you would like to share beyond what we spoke out of a structure and all of that what i would say is freelance at at uh, remote work is is actually not for everyone but it's very important that you give it a shot because a lot of these jobs are going to become uh, remote at at some at some point of time and this coronavirus situation is actually a big push towards it people before this people said that this work can't be done remote and now when they are forced to do that, you're seeing that it can actually be done remote. And I think when you, when you return back to your uh, day job again, 
you're going to you're going to ask those questions your senior management your, the people in your company your uh, workplaces they are all going to raise these questions and there's a, there's a huge possibility that they might they, they might they might start considering working remotely full time and it it's a great way for you to be prepared for it there are a lot of resources out there which you can refer to to be a good remote worker i've also written a few blog posts on product disrupt and yeah it just it, it's actually a great way to experiment with these things and and i think you always have to be in a learner's mindset like you have to be willing to try out these new things only then you can actually uh, learn something from it otherwise if you're too if you're too reluctant towards it then nothing is actually going to work so that's just uh, one advice that i can share uh, I, uh, yeah that's it yeah thank you so much for your time this has been a very valuable contribution and thank you so much from hyvati cyrus thank you so much for having me 